Today we're going to talk about sigma notation and area. Now the former is familiar thanks to all the fraternities around the country. The second is familiar from the last section. So these two, as you might guess, are going to come together and help us with finding areas between graphs, um, graphs of curves. Now, in order to talk about sigma notation, I like to talk about Carl Friedrich Gauss. He was a mathematician who lived in the 1700s and the 1800s. He um, also was a very precocious child. Now, even though his mother was a maid and his father was a gardener, he, from a very early age, showed an aptitude in mathematics. Not only did he lean over his father's shoulder and correct his father's math um, work whenever he had to figure out um, anything financial, Carl was also very precocious in his class. And the story, the legend is, that when he was in about, I think, six or seven years old, he was bothering his teacher, most likely because he was bored. And she told him, Carl, go sit down and add up all the numbers from one to 100. And she figured this would keep him busy for a while. And not too much later, he was tugging on her skirts again, wanting her attention. And she said, Carl, I thought I told you to go add up all the numbers from 1 to 100. And he said, I did, look. And sure enough, he had the answer. Now, the interesting thing was, he figured out the answer before anyone, adult or otherwise, had at, until that point. So how did he figure this out so quickly? Well, the secret was noticing something that I need to write out a little more. So let me go up here where I have some more room. He started with the first part, 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5, and then, thinking outside of the box, look to the end of it, and I'm going to have to go backwards here. Here's 100 plus 99 plus 98 plus 97. Uh, I guess I didn't really want to put that 5 there, but what the heck, I'll go down to 96. So five terms on the left and five terms on the right. Now the thing that he noticed was that if you take the last number and the first number and add them together, that's right, you get 101. If you take the second number and the second to last number, you also get 101. If you take the third number and the third, uh, third to last number, you get 101. So he noticed that if you matched them up this way, you would always get 101, even to the point where your ones in the middle that I didn't write, that would be 50 and 51, wouldn't it? Uh, if you don't believe me, you can verify this for yourself. And 50 and 51 also add up to 101. So we thought, OK, I've got 101 added up. And since these 101s came by pairing two numbers, how many of them should he have? And he realized cutting that set of numbers in half, the set of terms adding up, cutting them in half, you have 50 of them. So then all he had to do was take 101 times 50, and that's 50-50. And that's the answer to the sum of all the numbers from 1 to 100 without having to add them all up the long way. So 50-50 was his answer, and his teacher was shocked. And um, sure enough, this leads into something we're going to do today. So let's, uh, as a practice, you can impersonate 
Gauss, and you can add up all the numbers from 1 to 50. When you get an answer, come back and we'll discuss it. All right, I actually don't really care what the answer is. I'm more interested in how you got it, and I hope that you got it by not adding up all the numbers from 1 to 50. So if he did it this way for 100 and turned out having 50 times 101, how would we do it for just all the numbers from 1 to 50? Let's see, you could match them up, right? And you would see that if you match them up, let's just go to 49 and to 50. Notice I end this in a zero, that helps. If you, if you do this, you have 51, 51, 51. You have 51 added up how many times? Half of 50 times, right? Because 50 terms are split, or sorry, 50 terms are paired up, so you have half of them. So half of 50 times 51. So the answer is whatever you get by taking 25 times 51. And so that's the sum of the first 50 terms. So then what would be the sum of n terms starting at 1? 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus plus n minus 2 plus n minus 1 plus n. We're going to be using this notation today. Maybe I can put it in parentheses to make it a little more clear. This is a number, it's 2 before the last number, and this is 1 before the last number. So we have n, n minus 1, n minus 2, and three terms on the right, three terms on the left. And you can see when you match up the last one with the first one, you have n minus 1. Sorry, n plus 1. So you have n plus 1, and you're going to have half as many of these as n is. So you have n divided by 2 times that. And so that's what we call the sum of the first n terms, starting with 1 and adding 1 each time. So n times n plus 1 over 2. Now we could also write it all over 2. Some people think that looks a little nicer, especially if I put the 2 in the middle. Okay, now I'm just being silly. So n times n plus 1 over 2, or half of the number times the number plus 1. Now. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of writing 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 and so on. And if you've learned anything from from watching us here, it's that we mathematicians don't like to waste a lot of time writing. We like to be really concise. We like to have notation and shortcuts whenever possible. So instead of writing 1 plus 2 plus 3 and so on, we want to do something else. So we use something called sigma, right? Sigma means, in Greek, This is a capital letter S, and so this is S for sum. So sum up, as in S-U-M, not S-O-M-E, the sum of a bunch of things that come after. Now, what we're going to call the things that come after, you can call them anything you want. You can call them X, you can call them Y, you can call them I, you can call them K. Uh, This time I'm going to use K. So this means a number. Now, I need to be a little more specific because am I adding up 10? 10 plus what? 10 plus 20? You know, how do we figure this out? So actually this notation applies, if I write down on the bottom, where I want k to start. I'm going to add up a bunch of k's, a bunch of numbers, where the numbers start at 1 and then go to some amount. 
Now, if I wanted to add up the numbers from 1 to 100, I would put 100 up here. And this implies this sigma notation tells me that I, that I go in, in integer values. So I start with 1, the next one's going to be 2, the next one's going to be 3, and in between each of those terms, I have a plus because sigma means sum, so add up. So I'm going to start at 1, then add another term. I'm going to add 2, then plus 3, plus 4, plus 5, up to 100. And actually, let me erase this formula for a minute, if I can find an eraser. So in your notes, make sure you have something like this. The sum from k equals 1 to 100 of k itself is 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus dot 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 plus 99 plus 100. Now you could pick up anywhere you wanted here. I just wanted to show one number before and then the final number. The final number, 100, came from the top value here in the sum. And the first number came from the first number on the bottom. So we read it from the bottom to the top instead of top down. The sum from k equals 1 to 100 of k is 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus dot 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 plus 99 plus 100. Now we happen to know a shortcut for that, don't we? That equals half of your number of terms. Oh, but what's n this time? n is 100, right? So 100 over 2 times 100 plus 1 which was 5050. So take a minute and make sure you have this sum in your notes. And I'm out of room on my board, so I'm going to have to erase this because I want to do two more examples before we can summarize. So the sum from 1 to 100 is 50-50, and it came from taking n 100 over 2 times n plus 1, 100 plus 1. I'm going to erase this. And we're going to change this now. I also asked you to add up the numbers from 1 to 50. So can you write a summation adding up all the numbers from 1 to 50? Take a minute and do it yourself, and then come back, and we'll make sure that we've got it in your notes. All right, coming back. We're adding up a bunch of numbers. You can have fun trying to make it as stylized as you want. A bunch of numbers starting at 1 and going to 50. But we have to say what to add up, and in this case, we're just adding up a bunch of k's, right? k starts at 1, then we go to 50. So your summation would look like this. The sum from k equals 1 to 50 of k is, and if you want to write out a few terms to see what's going on, k equals 1 plus k equals 2 plus k goes up to 3 now, plus dot 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 up to 49, and then finally stopping once we get to our top number in the summation. So once we get to 50, then we stop. So we've added 1 to each term until we got to 50. And of course, we're adding in between. So this is our, the sum we want to find. We borrow from Carl, little Carl Friedrich and use the shortcut. Now, if we added the 50 to the 1, that would be 50 plus 1, or 51. But then we'd be pairing them up, so we'd have half as many total. So 50 over 2 times 50 plus 1. I like this form actually a lot better than if I just wrote automatically either the answer. That would be the least favorable, in my opinion, or writing one step in between 25 times 51. This is where it comes from when you think about it. n plus 1, and then you have n over 2 of them. 
All right, so that's a summation from 1 to 50. And if I wanted to just write my formula, that's actually up here. I have up here some summation formulae. Um, technically, plural formula is formulae, but we all just say formulas. Anyway, we're going to take the sum of k equals 1 to n of k, and that's our general formula n times n plus 1 over 2. Now, there are more formulae, formulas, whatever, uh, that you can find. They, um, they aren't proven in the book. They're actually as exercises for you. They give you some hints on how to do it. Um, I didn't quite do a proof. I'll do the proof of this one in a second for you if you're interested. It's also in the book. We did uh, Carl Friedrich's proof, but there's another way we can do it as well. K squared, with a little more effort, can be found if you're adding up from k equals 1 to n of k squared. You get n times n plus 1, just like the previous one, right? But then there's a factor of 2n plus 1, and all of that is over 6. So we're going to use this formula in the future, so I'm just going to leave it at this for now. This is a tool you have to use if you need to add up squares of numbers. Now, you may recall from last semester in linear regression, you had to add up sums of squares, or at least you eventually had your calculator do it because it was just too frustrating to do by hand. But the sum of squares, we could write this way, right? The sum k equals 1 to n of k squared means, maybe I should write out what that means up here, k equals 1 squared, then plus k equals 2 squared, then plus k equals 3 squared, plus plus all the way up to n squared. So the longhand version is 1 squared plus 2 squared plus 3 squared plus dot, 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 plus n squared. But the shortcut is right here. This is what we're going to use this section. Similarly, we could take the sum from k equals 1 to n of k cubed. If you write it out longhand, that's 1 cubed, right? What would be the next thing? Plus k goes from 1 to n, so then 2 cubed plus 3 cubed plus, I'm running out of room, n cubed. So 1 cubed all the way up to n cubed with pluses in between. I'm missing one right here. There's a shortcut for this so that we don't have to sit down at our desks and spend all our lives adding this up. The shortcut is n squared times parentheses n plus 1 quantity squared over 4. Now, we have an example coming up that's going to use this as well. So just kind of put this in your memory banks as another tool we can use when we need to add up the sum of cubes. And finally, we have a, a fun one. k equals 1 to n of c. Now, c is a constant. It's not k. So it's different from adding up all the numbers from 1 to 100. I wrote out what it means. It means when k is 1, you have a c term. Plus, when k is 2, you take another c. Plus, when k is 3, you take another c. It's because c is a constant. That's why we used c. c for constant. So it doesn't change from term to term. It's constantly c. What does affect, uh, what is affected by this k equals 1 to n is how many terms, how many of these c's we have. So k is 1. Maybe I should write that underneath. k is 1. k is 2. I'll write above here, k is 3, dot, 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 k is n. So once you get to k equals whatever n is, it could be 5, it could be a million. As soon as you get to it, you stop. 
and then you find the sum of all of these constants. Well, they're all the same constant, and they don't change. That's what constant means. So we have n of them. So the shortcut for c plus c plus c plus dot, 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 plus c, n times is n times c. Now, I don't know if you can see that n, so I'm just going to put it in blue. n times c is the sum from k equals 1 to n of the constant c that we had in the very beginning. So we're going to use these four things along with something called the linearity property, which I'll put down for you now. Basically, the linearity property acts a lot like a polynomial. If you have a sum from k equals 1 to n, and you have some constant a times some function of k plus b times some other function of k, where a and b are constants, and you have a plus or even a minus in between, then you can actually break that up. You can put the constant out in front, just like I did with integrals in a couple sections ago with substitution. You can put the constant out in front. The summation stays the same, plus You can take the constant out of the other one, the summation, that's an ugly one. The summation stays the same again, k equals 1 to n, g of k. So basically, any constants can be factored out of a sum. And if you have a sum of two terms within a a larger sum, you can break that up into the sum of two individual summations. So it should make sense to you, and it's kind of like factoring, right? And it's kind of like the fact that you can differentiate and integrate term by term. It's related to that as well. So it's called the linearity property. It's also in your book. He uses different notation. I hope this one's clear enough for you um, just to get the idea across. And then we're going to use it in examples coming up.